Hey guys, thank you for joining us online today. We, we literally have people from all over the world, many different countries and uh, all states in the United States almost. Uh, people join in and watch us online and we're honored uh, that you watch us and we really hope that today through the Word of God, He does some incredible things in your life and, and literally awakens some things in your soul about who He is. And now, what we don't want is we don't want this to be your total church experience. Church is not meant to be virtual, uh, it's meant to be lived in community. And so therefore, we want you to plug in uh, to a physical church where there's real people. And so if you live in our Middle Tennessee area, we would love to have you to become involved in one of our campuses. If you'll get online at lifepointchurch.org, we uh, will, there you will find all the information you can find on any of our campuses. If you need help from there, just email us from our, from our website. Let us know. Send us a Facebook message. We'll be glad to help you plug in. If you don't live in our Middle Tennessee area, then we will be glad to help you find a, a Bible-believing, Christ-exalting, God-honoring church in your area. And so again, email us from the website, send us a message on Facebook. We will be glad to help you find a church, recommend some churches for you to plug into. Again, thank you for watching today. Uh, we hope God does some incredible things in your life. And remember, what He does in your life, we want you to take that and pour that out into others' lives. And so thank you for being here. God bless you. I hope God does some great things in your life today. All right, we're going to dive in, and man, it's Olympic time, and are you, how many of you are feasting on the Olympics, man? Isn't it crazy how, I mean, the Olympics cause us to literally be interested in the most obscure sport that we would never watch normally, like curling, right? I mean, who wants to watch people play shuffleboard anyway, let alone on ice, right? I mean, or something like ice skates. Who wants to watch dudes in tights and do pirouettes and ice skates? And, you know, normally I wouldn't watch those stuff. But every four years, man, I tune in and I'm glued to the TV set watching. Why? Well, I think it's a couple reasons. One is patriotism, right? I mean, one is we want to pull for America to win the gold. It doesn't matter what we're doing, right? And so we, we want to cheer on our country. But two is, man, I, I watch and I, I'm just amazed at the skill of these athletes. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think we appreciate the skill of the athletes because they make it look so easy. We don't understand how hard and difficult it is, right? I mean, man, they make look going downhill at 95 on skis look easy like Sunday morning, right? Or, or, or jumping over, uh, you know, jumping 260 feet on skis look like Peter Pan jumping over Captain Hook. I mean, just easy, right? And so, but it's difficult. So I think that that they're only that good for a couple of reasons. They're that good because number one, you have to have a God-given ability to do what they do. You, you can't just develop that if you don't have it, right? I mean, man, I can get on a set of skis and go downhill, but there's no way I could do what they do, right? I, I mean, I can get on a set of ice skates and do something, but not what they do because I don't, wasn't born with that kind of ability. So you have to have a God-given ability, but then you also have to develop that ability. And so they're also good because they work, they, they train eight hours a day, about 40 hours a week, 12 months a year. Did you realize that? I mean, it's a full-time job. They don't just, you know, go to practice for a couple hours, two or three days a week, and man, they get up and do that. Their full-time job that they give everything to is winning the gold. Why? Because they crave it. They crave the gold. They crave the glory. They crave the competition. Folks, that's how important the cravings are in our life. And that's, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I use that uh, analogy because I wanted you to begin to think about your cravings. And, because I want you to know that what you crave is what's going to determine the direction of your life. What you crave is going to determine what you spend your money on, your time on, your energy on. Okay? 
I mean, think about it. For example, if you crave money above everything else, then money is going to be what consumes your thoughts. You're going to think about the almighty dollar. You're going to do whatever you can. You're going to sacrifice. Some people sacrifice friends and family. They sacrifice everything to get the money, right? If that's what you crave above all else. If you crave the new iPhone, you're going to sacrifice something to get it every six months or every year, right? If you crave a husband or a wife, if you're single, now I want you to understand there's nothing wrong with desiring a husband or a wife, nothing wrong with desiring a spouse. But I've seen so many people doing what I do. I've seen so many people crave it so bad that they end up sacrificing biblical convictions and commands to try to get a husband or a wife, right? I mean, and so that's the importance of cravings. What we crave we will go after, we will sacrifice for. I mean, the advertising world knows this. Ad, the advertising world is built upon our cravings. I mean, think about when you drive down Sam Ridley tomorrow and you see that hot now sign on Krispy Kreme. I mean, is it there to tell you the building's hot, don't touch it? No, it's there to make your mouth water as you begin to crave that hot chocolate covered cream filled paradise, right? And right now they're hot and they're so good. See, it, it creates this craving within you so that your mouth will water and your wallet will be lighter, right? I mean, you, you've seen those before and after photos. On, you know, they use those to sell everything from hair care products to weight loss supplements and they're so silly. I mean, think about it. Next time you see a before and after, look at the before closely and look at the after closely. What you're going to see is that the before, they, they teach them and tell them, you know, you got a poor lighting. I mean, your hair is sort of disheveled, no makeup on. Man, you look long-faced and sad and you're sort of... But you go over to the after, I mean, man, and you took these supplements and they really lost three pounds, but they got studio lights and, man, their hair is fixed up makeup and they're like... They say, man, I, people want self-esteem and, man, I crave that. And so I'll get this product, right? That's the power of, of cravings. That's the power of cravings. And what you crave, you'll go hard after. That's what our sacred gathering is about. We're, we're going into a sacred gathering, and I want to explain that. So today, I, I just want to spend the rest of our time today explaining what we mean by sacred gathering, the history of it, and what, what we're trying to do through this sacred gathering that begins next week, okay? We're calling you uh, into a sacred gathering. We're calling you to fast for three days Three days. Now, folks, this crazy. I know that's a big ask because it is so different. It is so countercultural. Everything in your brain says, what? Because, see, we live in an indulgent society. That's why we're full of, uh, of heart disease, uh, you know, obesity. I mean, man, that's why we're in debt over our heads in this country because we indulge and we do not deny ourselves anything. So the thought about going without anything is not, is counter to our culture, but going without food for three days, that's crazy it seems, right? And so I want to, I want to talk about that. I want to explain what it is, but we're going to ask you to fast for three days. Okay. Now, and, and we're going to ask you to join together at night, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. So we're talking about next weekend when you eat, go to bed on Saturday night with your belly full, get up, and start fasting on Sunday morning. Come to church fasting if you will join us in this. And, 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 and then we'll join together Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night for prayer and worship. Okay? Now, uh, and we're asking you to do, by the way, a liquid fast. 
which means juices, water. I'll do coffee. You know, you really would not like me good if I did not do coffee, right? But, but uh, we're, we're, we're doing a liquid fast, okay? So smoothie, but guys, that doesn't mean that you can take a T-bone, grind it up in a blender and try to suck it through a straw. Not a steak smoothie, okay? So uh, we're doing a, a liquid fast, all right? Now, uh, so join us in that. Now, some of you cannot join us in fasting for health reasons because maybe you have diabetes, right? And if you have diabetes, obviously you have to keep things regulated. That wouldn't be smart, okay? Uh, so if you're pregnant, some of you are pregnant, and if you're pregnant, uh, then that, that means you probably should eat, okay? So it doesn't, uh, it, it, so there's some health reasons that you, some of you don't need to do it. Now, guys, that don't mean you get up and you got a little sniffle or a cold or a headache. You can, you, can, you know, uh, back out. So, but if you've got a medical reason, then eat food, but join us in other ways. Like, for instance, fast from all kinds of media, social media, no Facebook, no Twitter, you're like, oh my goodness, I'll go into withdrawals, right? Food's one thing, but social media, right? So I, we, we, our staff's going to do that as well. No social media. Uh, so no, digital media, uh, TV, turn the TV off when you go home next Sunday. It's like, whoa, what will I do? I mean, you might actually be, have to think about some things if you don't do social media or TV. You think about that? No radio, no sports talk, except maybe cr worship music, okay? Put on some Travis, uh, put on some worship music, listen to that, pray. It, it, uh, that's what we want you to do, okay? And then join together at nighttime. Our kids are going to join us. Now, you know, your kids, you think, okay, maybe they need to eat something, but man, we're going to ask them to fast from screens, right? Too, like TV screen, computer screen, game screen, those kind of things. And so, so as we, as we do this, we're going to ask you to fast and then we're going to ask you to come together Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night for prayer and for worship. Okay. Now this will be, I know what, no one's going to preach. This will be our fourth sacred gathering. And I want to give you a little history so you'll know where it came from and what it is. And uh, back in uh, 2004, 14 years ago, uh, I was having my quiet time. And in January, I felt like the Lord led me to study the book of Joel. It's, a, it's a, a, a prophet. It's a book in the Old Testament. And so I began to read the book of Joel. And uh, when I began to study the book of Joel in my time together I, I, with the Lord, I, I came to Joel 1.14. And, and 1.14, here's what it says. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Now, I had read that verse many times. You know, that's the thing about Scripture. You read a verse and you read passages over and over because we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's inspired, meaning it is the Word of God. He used authors like, you know, Paul and like uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I mean, he used authors to write it, they, even their personalities in it, but everything they wrote was inspired by God. So it's the Word of God. It's true, right? And so not only is it inspired, we, we believe that God, it's not only full of inspiration, but it's illumination. It's the Holy Spirit who illuminates that word to you when you read it, causing you to go, wow, have insight into that, right? And so I'd read this verse many times before, but when I hit this verse on that January morning back in 2004, it's like the Holy Spirit flagged me in for a pit stop, right? And he said, oh, oh, oh I want you to stop. I want you to come in and I want you to just relax and rest on this verse for, for a little bit. 
And so I did. I started contemplating this verse. And I started thinking through and reading and, man, praying through this verse. And I did so the next day. And then I really felt like God was leading our church to a time of prayer and fasting, to uh, call a solemn assembly and get, uh, consecrate a sacred fast, as the prophet said. And so I told our staff, here's what we're going to do. We're going to gather the people. We're going to ask them to pray, fast for three days. We're going to ask them to come together at night and for prayer and worship. And I have no clue what it's about. I wish I could stand up and say, we're going to fast for this. And I have no clue what it's about. That's just what I feel like the Lord's saying, telling us to do. Now, I'm going to tell you I was very skeptical. I was skeptical anybody would be there. I mean, as I said, we live in an indulgent world. I'm going to ask people to forego food for three days. They're going to go like, yeah, right, man. We, we love you, but not that much, right? And so I'm going to ask you to do this. And I thought, man, I was skeptical. I thought it would be me and our staff because our staff had to be there. Their paycheck sort of depended upon it, right? And you want a paycheck, you got to fast and pray. Uh, and I thought there would be a few leaders who would feel obligated to come. And so I was really, man, I was praying, Lord, I just pray that this takes hold within our church. And we were in our, uh, what we call the hub at that moment. We, weren't, we didn't have this building built yet. And so we were over, and I remember coming out of my office the very first night, and I walked into the, to the hub, and, and it was packed. It was full. And I'm like, what? I mean, Lord, are you serious? This is amazing. And then I thought, well, I, I, this is the first day. I mean, <laughs> night two, people over there, yeah, man, boy, that was good, but I got to have a hamburger, right? And, and so... Second night, it grew, and I was like, what? I mean, and, and, and we went into this thing having no clue what it was about. All we knew was the Lord called us to it, and we wanted to seek the Lord together. And the second night, God began to make clear what he was calling us to do. People began to get up out of their seats and come to me and say, uh, Pastor, I, I feel like God's calling me to quit my job and go on the mission field. Pastor, I feel like God's, uh, and it became so obvious that we didn't go into it for this, but all of a sudden it became so obvious that God was reorienting our hearts, the hearts of our people and the hearts of our church so that we would crave him above everything else. So that we would crave him because you know what? Our cravings will determine the direction of our life. We will go hard after our cravings and we will sacrifice for the things that we crave. And we felt like that God was saying, we want, I want you to, to begin to crave my heart for the, my glory among the nations above everything else. And our church began to sacrifice to, for that, right? Our church began to, to reorient everything we were doing for that. And so we did another in 2008 and 2012, four years apart. And we didn't plan it that way. We had people after the first sacred gathering that were saying, oh, we got to do this again. Can we do it again next year? And I'm like, we're going to do it again when God leads us to do it again. We don't want to just calendar it because we want it to be revival within the souls of our people. And you can't schedule that. We want God to lead us to it. And so, so in 2008, we felt like God leading us to another. And four years later in 2012, we felt like God leading us to another. And we didn't even realize it was four years and four years. Well, today it's 2018. So it's been five years. And we feel like God is calling us together for another time of fasting and prayer. We call it our sacred gathering. Now, through those other sacred gatherings, they've been monumental moments in the life of our church. It was through those sacred gatherings that God called us to be a sending church. I remember we were, we were growing and our church was busting with kids and teenagers. And so, man, I, I put a group of people together to help me start studying. What can we build? Do we need to build a children's area that's bigger? And, and do we need to build an office building and give them these, this, this area? What do we need to build? And, man, we had some really good stuff laid out. But God never released us to build any of it. 
I mean, we had the stuff, we had the plans, and God never released us. And we was like, why? And matter of fact, it got so frustrating because I was meeting with this team of people and, and we never felt like God leading us to go forward with it. And we didn't know why. And I said, man, we're frustrated because we can't. So we're just gonna take a break and we'll call you back together when, when man, we feel like the Lord's doing something. Well, in the midst, we had these sacred gathering and, 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 and God re- really revealed to us, listen, I don't want you to build that because I don't want you to just build them so that you can keep building people in here. I want you to fill this place up and send them out, right? I want you to send them out. And so this is through these sacred gatherings this is where our campuses come from. That's where God said, send out. And we, God gave us a building out at Stewart's Creek campus. Then he gave us a building down for our Riverdale campus. And we sent about a thousand people out Okay, I mean, uh, rather than, and he says, I want you to be a sending church. This is where our international, Brussels and and Bangkok came from. Sending missionaries, uh, declaring that we're a sending church, meaning, listen, we want you to live sent in every area of your life. It's not just about going across the ocean. It's about going across the street. You need to go out and represent Christ in every domain of your life, every day, everything's about God. We gotta get that as a church. And so we began to champion those things. And that's what happened in our, as we did those sacred gatherings. And it's been monumental for the life of our church. And listen, folks, I can't wait to see what God does in this one. I can't wait to see. I don't know. We're not going in saying, God, do this, this, this. We're just going in saying, God, we want you to reveal yourself, your heart, your direction for what you want us to do next. We just want you, God. So we don't really have an agenda. And I don't know what God is going to do, but here's what I do know. I don't want you to miss it. And I know that between now and then, there's going to be a 42 things that's going to pop up that's going to be a challenge and a temptation for you to say, man, I really got to do this and I got to do that. And I would ask you to make this the number one priority. I would ask you to say, man, I'm not letting anything steal this. I'm not going to let any, this is going to be my priority. Because folks, listen, I, I can't overstate it because I think if you as an individual, if you as a family, if we as a church will begin to, to reorient our cravings so that the heart and the will of God is what we crave above everything else, above our desires, above our dreams, above our ambitions, above everything, I believe God will take us on the greatest ride of our life. I believe he'll take us to a place from which we can never return and change us in a way in which we can never be the same. And so we're going to ask you to be here. And, and I know it's a, big, it's a big commitment. It's a big ask. I, I'm not asking you to do something that's easy. But I want you to know nothing worthwhile is ever easy. Okay, I want you to know that, that man, getting to the gold medal, it, it requires sacrifice and devotion and dedication, right? I mean, being a good dad and being a good mom requires devotion and sacrifice and dedication. And if you want to pursue the heart of God, it requires discipline, devotion, sacrifice, and dedication. It won't be easy. But folks, if it was easy, everybody would do it and it wouldn't be worthwhile. And so I'm challenging you, I'm asking you to be a part of this. And so I, what I want to do is I want to I help you to understand fasting a little bit because it, it's so misunderstood because it, really it's seldom preached and it's seldom practiced because we live in this world of indulgence and we can't understand why going without food would mean anything. Why more food, right? It's like, man, we're blessed. We got more food, not less. And so what's this all about? Some people think, well, fasting is not a bad thing, but I'm I'm sure it's for, you know, Eastern spiritual gurus or, you know, the varsity Christian team at least, right? I mean, the special forces, that's who fasts, but not, listen, that's not true. What I want you to understand is Jesus expected everyone who claims his name to fast. Did you know that? If you read Matthew 6, it's the greatest sermon ever preached. 
It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest sermon ever preached because, number one, it was preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, and that's Jesus. Jesus is preaching a sermon on the Mount of Beatitudes. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And in there, he addresses a lot of different things, and one of them is fasting. And when Jesus was talking about fasting in Matthew 6, you can go read it. uh, He's talking about fasting. He said that uh, uh, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. It's obvious as we read scripture, Jesus wants his people to deny themselves something so that they can get something better, right? And so he said when, not if, Jesus expects his people to fast, all right? And so it's for all of us. And, and, and so uh, what I also want you to know, fasting is about sacrifice, not self. It's about sacrifice, not self. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, we live in a world that teaches us that everything's about us right? Everything's about you. Did you know that? I mean, man, your marriage is about you. Your spouse should be making you happy. I mean, your, your people at work will tell you, oh man, she shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be doing that. If you talk to him because our, our man, you know, that you should be happy and uh, your marriage is about you. Your kids are about you. Your job is about you. Your money's about you. Did you know that? You, it, you earned it. It's yours. Your body's about you. Our world tells us everything's about us. I mean, there's, there, listen, many, many, many people begin to believe your church is about you. Many preachers even preach your relationship with God is all about you, which leaves you dazed and confused when life sort of hits you in the mouth, right? Because wait a second, it's about me. This is not supposed to be happening, is it? And so, so the world teaches us everything's about us. And so here's what happens. Man, we begin to, if we start talking about fasting, obviously it's about me. It's about me getting something, right? I'm going to fast so God will give me a job. I'm going to fast so God will give me a spouse. I'm going to fast so God will give me a promotion or God will do this. And, and, and listen, I, when, when fasting is about seeking God's direction. But if we fast, it's not like we're going on a hunger strike and waving our arms trying to get God attention. Hey God, I'm over here. I'm going without food. Will you do this for me? You see, that's what the world teaches. Everything's about us. And so we think fasting is about us, but the word teaches everything's about God. You see, the word is what we go by and it teaches everything's about God. As a matter of fact, look at what Isaiah, the prophet wrote in Isaiah 43, seven. He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now, what Isaiah tells us is this. You want to know why you're on this planet? The hand of God. You want to know why you're living in this moment? By the plan of God. You weren't born in the medieval times. You weren't born in, 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 you know, during the Revolutionary War. Uh, you weren't born 20 years prior, 20 years after the day you were. You were born in the specific moment you were by the plan of God. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't, you know, well, it just happened to be coincidence. You are the plan of God. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb by his plan. You you, you live in the exact place. We're told in Acts. You live here. I was born somewhere else like most of you. I live here now. Acts 17 says, because of the plan of God. You you have air in your lungs. You have blood in your veins. Why do you do that? To bring God glory. That's why you exist. So the scriptures tell us that the world says everything's about us. The word says everything's about God. Okay. As a matter of fact, if you look at, at first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says the same thing. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, this is where we get our camp theme, by the way, we call our camp for our students, camp, whatever. And, uh, it's because this is everything you do is about the glory of God, whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. So Paul writes to us and he says, and he uses things that are small, you know, what we would consider maybe eating, drinking, you know, I'm tying my shoes. He says, it's all for the glory of God. So see, the world 
says everything's about us. But the word says everything's about God. Nothing really is about me. Now, here's what I know. We preach that, and here's what I know, because I know, because, uh, you know, within my soul too. But I, I've been in this long enough to know that when you say that, no one disagrees with that. I think everyone wants to, how many, if I said I'm not, so don't raise your hand, but if I said how many of you believe that everything's about God? I think especially Christians would say, yeah, I do. But I think we would say that because it sounds right. But I think there's something within us that sort of thinks it is, but, man, doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, some things are about me, right, Pat? I mean, I think there's something within us. That's that battle that rages sort of within us. And there's this kickback that says, yeah, everything's about God, but oh, no, isn't it about me? I mean, doesn't God want me to be happy? And here's what I would tell you about God wanting you to be happy. Yes and no. No. If you think God's, if you mean God's ultimate agenda is to make you happy. God's ultimate agenda is not to make me happy. It's his ultimate agenda is to make me holy. God's ultimate agenda is not to make me happy. It's to make me like him. Okay. So that's his ultimate agenda. So no in that realm, but yes, I think God wants you to be happy. It's the fact that you've got to determine what true happiness is and where it comes from. You see, where we miss the mark is we think more true happiness comes from more of anything but God sometimes. We think what's going to be true happiness? Money, marriage, kids, possession, job. If I got these things, you could line it out. Man, if I was this, if I was this, if I won this, if I had this, if I won the lottery, I, I don't know. You, you name it on out, right? I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. Not really. For a moment, you'd be elated but man, then it would tear you up because that didn't do what you thought it was going to do. Because why? Because what were you made for? Why did Isaiah say you were made? For the glory of God. Right? That's why the Westminster Shorter Catechism says the chief end of man is to what? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Because it's straight scripture. So here's what that means. God, when are you going to be most satisfied in life? When God is most glorified in your life. That's when you're going to be most satisfied. So yes, I believe God wants you to be happy. When will you be the happiest? When you're searching for, pursuing, and doing the heart and the will of God. When your cravings are reoriented to where I'm seeking the heart of God. And I'm doing what God has created me to do, which means I'm living my life in, in a way to honor him. That's when your life is just going to be hitting a sweet spot, folks. That's when it's going to be clicking for you. Now, I mean, man, you might be, you know, having trouble at work. You might be do, having, which all the things that you think might be going wrong. But right in here, it's going to be like, man, I got this peace. I got this joy because I'm glorifying God in my life. And that's what you were created to do. Listen, God made you. And when he made you to do something, you're not going to be living life and hitting it in a sweet spot unless you're doing what he made you to do. Right? And so that's what this sacred gathering is about. It's not about us getting something. It's about us getting God. It's about us hungering for holiness. We're asking you to be hungry. To be hungry for holiness, right? I mean, we're asking you to, to be hungry for holiness. And, and it's about us getting God. It's about breaking free from anything that fights for your heart. Because there's so many things that fights for our heart every day. And it's about asking you to break free from anything that fights for your heart by reorienting, reorienting our cravings so that we crave the heart of God above all else. Let me read to you one more passage here. It's in Acts chapter 13, which is a clarion call chapter for us here at LifePoint. Because it is the birth of international cross-cultural missions. 
Okay? Let me read it and I'll explain what's going on. It'll be now there were in the church in Antioch. Then I love the fact that Middle Tennessee is full of towns like, like Antioch. You know, up the street, it's a biblical name. Smyrna is, is a city uh, that in Turkey, actually, present-day Turkey, that, that uh, is in Revelation, one of the seven churches, and it happened to be one that God commended, praise the Lord, right? And so, so uh, all these names are biblical names. It says, now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, and a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and set them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Now here's what's happening here and let me, let me set the context and help you understand how all this played out, okay? Uh, the church uh, in Antioch was meeting together and what were they doing? They were fasting and praying and worshiping. That's the three things we're asking you to do. Why were they doing this? Because one reason, they weren't saying, let's fast so God will give us something. They were fast because they were saying, they were fasting and worshiping and praying because they said, God, we wanna make an impact on this world for your kingdom, for your glory, what do we do? And so they were fasting and they were praying. And up until this point, uh, there had been no international mission, cross-cultural mission, okay? And so they're fasting and praying, and, and God said, I want you to set aside Saul, Paul, and Barnabas and send them out. Now, as I said, to this point, there's no international cross-cultural mission. They had left Jerusalem, and, and, and they took the gospel with them, but they didn't leave taking the gospel with them intentionally. They left because uh, the diaspora happened. They were being persecuted. They were being hunted down like animals and killed, and so they were running for their life. So wherever they went, they took the gospel with them like we should but it wasn't intentional. It was like, man, I'm trying to save my life. I'm here, I'm sharing the gospel, but I'm going here because I'm trying to save my life. But here is the first time God says intentionally, on purpose, by plan, I want you to send out these two guys to go share the gospel cross-culturally and plant churches cross-culturally. Before this time, there was no Romans written. There was no 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians. Why? Because those churches didn't exist because Paul didn't plant them. Paul planted those churches as a result of what happened here. So we have those books of the Bible today because the church fasted and prayed and sought the heart of God above everything else and God led them to send them out. And we today are eternally impacted. If you're a Christian, your life has been eternally impacted because the church in Antioch got together, fasted and prayed and worshiped and said, God, what do you want us to do for your glory? And he said, I want you to send these men out. They planted churches, shared the gospel and it's still going today. And today we've been eternally impacted we can go back to this and say we're eternally impacted by this. Here's what I wonder. 2,000 years from now, what will history write about your impact and our impact as a church? What will history write about that? Here's what I can promise you. If our goal, if the thing we crave above everything else is anything but the heart of God, our names will be forgotten. I, I, you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be rubbish by then. And here's what I want to promise you. If we crave the heart of God above everything else, people may not ever remember your name. That doesn't matter. But I'll promise you, your legacy, your kingdom legacy will still be growing and building. 
and it'll be picking up steam and you'll make an eternal impact in the lives of people. So what will the history writers write about the world that's happening and could it be traced back to what's happening right here in this moment? That depends on what we crave above everything else. And that's what our small group is all about. We're simply trying to reorient your cravings so that you crave the heart of God above anything and everything else. So please don't let anything keep you from joining us in this moment. Now you're gonna be fasting. And those of you who are gonna be fasting from food because you're medically able to do so, you know what, you're going to get hungry during the time, right? I mean, there's gonna be times when you could give $100 for a hamburger. You're gonna get hungry. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Day one, if you've not done this before, day one on Sunday, man, that's, that's tough. I mean, you're just like, oh, man, I want a hamburger. You dream about it and you go to bed at night, right? I mean, you, you, day one's tough. Day two gets a little easier. By day three, you're kicking and going because your body's adjusting. And, you know, and then we break it uh, 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 on, on Tuesday night into day three, and, and, and it's cool. And so, so, but when you fast, you're going to get hungry, and that's the point. We want you to get hungry. We want you to deny yourself. It's denying, it's denying a need so that we can say, God, I, I want. It, it's like when you get hungry, we want you to hunger for holiness. And it, it would be easy to say, let's fast for lunch and let's give the money you would spend on lunch to a hungry kid in Africa or, or around the world and, you know, and the, uh, on, on the inner cities of LA or New York. And I mean, that'd be, that'd be, to be honest with you, that'd be easy, Right? That would be easy, do without lunch. But I'm gonna tell you, for most of us, that'd be hard, right? But you could do that. But we're asking you to hunger, to hunger for holiness. So that when you get hungry, not just so you can be hungry, but when you're hungry, you can say, God, I'm hungry, but more than I want food, I want you. I wanna satisfy my appetite right now, but more than I want my appetite satisfied, I want my soul satisfied. God, I, I, I want you to know I'm empty, but I know you're full. God, I crave food right now, but God, I crave you right now. And when you're hungry, that's when you turn to the word and to prayer and you begin to literally see God open up so many things in your life and you become so sensitive. I, I remember uh, just a few months ago, we did a, a one day fast on Sunday. We asked you to go to bed Saturday night, get up Sunday morning and fast and was fast from breakfast, fast from lunch, come Sunday to a worship night and let's worship together after fasting one day. And then man, you can go out and break, break the fast after that. And it was amazing. People showed up, man, and, and people were worshiping and people were screaming and, I mean, the name of Jesus. And it was awesome after one day of fasting. And people was like, whoa, this was amazing. We just felt so sensitive to what God was saying. We felt so aware. And you know what? You do. That's why we do this. And I want you to understand, we, we've known this was a spiritual truth for years. But as always, do you know what science has done? It has come and confirmed what the Bible has said. Good science always confirms the Bible. Scientists with no agenda except science always with science confirms the Bible. It is never one time, uh, never one time uh, uh, went opposite of the Bible. That was good science. And when it has, it was learned to be bad science. It always confirms. And in this case, science even confirms the Bible. In, in this way, you, you know how when you eat, man, and, and, and after you eat, you get really sleepy? I mean, you know, sometimes our staff will be out eating lunch. And if it's a big lunch, I mean, we eat lunch, we'll say, man, we're going to go back this afternoon. Nobody's going to get any work done, right? You'll be like, oh. 
They just want to go to sleep. Why is that? It's because when you eat a big meal, blood goes to your stomach. More blood goes to your stomach to aid in digestion. And it's working. And, man, you get, you get sleepy, right? But here's what science says is when you don't eat, more blood goes to your brain. And it makes your synapses fire in a way that makes you more sensitive and aware of things around you. So science come in and said, I'm like, wow, that, that, that's, that proves this. We've always known this was a spiritual truth, but now we can even understand how God scientifically wired our body. And so you're going to be aware, you're going to be sensitive of things and it's going to, it's going to bring you in and, and man, God's going to do some things in your life that will be amazing. And so please join us in this and don't let anything keep you from being a part of this at, at, at all possible. And so man, uh, what I want to do is I want to close the message by, by, by saying today you may be here and you may be hearing us talk about fasting and all that. And you may say, man, that's crazy. I don't know. Maybe you're not a believer. You want to know more about how to give your life to Jesus. Come back to the next steps. We'd love to help you understand what that means. Uh, maybe, maybe you want to be a part of our church and, and we'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're today you're saying, I'm going to wait till after this because, you know. If you want to talk to us about anything, come back and, and let us know, okay? We'd love to talk to you about that. We really would. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to ask us in a moment to stand and, and pray a prayer, recite a prayer together. It's a prayer of King David that he wrote down in a psalm. And it's actually, we read it as Psalm 63, verses 1 through 8. And it's just a cry to God for God to be the thing that I desire more than anything else. And for him to satisfy me, my soul, more than anything else. And I want us to pray that together to, by reciting it together. But as we do, after we do that, I want you to know we're not through when we do. We're going to take communion together. After that, I, I'm going to pray. Uh, and then our, our uh, ushers will come. And Travis is going to come. And, 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 and we're going we're gonna to sing. And, and then we'll take communion. Then we'll take offering and all that kind of stuff. So we're not through. But I, I want us to stand. I want us to close this out as we head. Now, this week, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to start. Wait till next Sunday morning to start sacred gathering. I want you to start this week. And how do you start this week? By just simply praying that God would prepare you for all he wants to teach you. And God would prepare us as a church for all he wants to teach us. So just begin this week, every day say, God, please prepare my heart and my soul for, sake, for, for our time of gathering, sacred gathering. And please prepare our church. And we're going we're gonna to fast. And we're going to meet together at night. And Jeff Lewis that has been here, some of you know him, some of you don't, uh, he, he'll come and he'll lead us through a, a time of, of, of prayer times. He's a, he's, he's, he lives in California. He's a great, I mean, very just amazing guy that can lead us through some prayer times. And, and, and you begin to pray this week, God, prepare my soul and the soul of our church for what you want to do in our lives and in our church. If you begin to pray for that and ask God to bring revival. That's what we want, revival. We want to be revived. We want to be refreshed, renewed in our walk with the Lord so that he is what we crave above, above everything else. So right now what I want us to do is I want us to stand, stand up together. The 63rd Psalm, verses 1 through 8, it's a Psalm of King David as King David is writing, and as he's writing, it's a, it's a cry that, that when I read it, I said, man, I want us to read this and recite it together and let it be the prayer of our heart. And so, so let's read it together. It's going to pop up on the, the screen, and here it is on the screen. And so, so uh, let's, let's, let's recite this together, if we can, and let it be the prayer of our heart as we head into this monumental time in the life of our church. And so 
Let's go. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I want to pray, and then uh, uh, our ushers will come and they're going to pass out. And let me tell you how this is going to happen, okay? If you're, you know the drill, if you're a part of this family, if not, uh, we're going to take communion, all right? It's, it's, a, it's something that Jesus set up the night before he died so that we would remember his sacrifice. So it is for those who believe upon Jesus Christ. You're going to have two cups. One has a piece of bread. One has a, a we use juice. Uh, it's a cup of juice on top. Uh, take those and hold them and I'll come back and we'll do this together. Okay, and so uh, as we're passing this out, then uh, Travis and our band is going to be playing and we're going to be singing a song and the song says, all I want is Jesus. And you know what? Here's what Paul said when he began that, when he told us in Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, he, the church in Corinth had began to take it very dishonoring in a way that was very dishonoring, frivolously. And they began to take it in a way that was not about God, but about them. And so he came in and told them, and he said, look, before you do this, you need to examine yourself. And I think this is an amazing song because it says all I want is Jesus. And if we're honest, sometimes as we sing this, that would be convicting because there are some things that we sometimes want more than Jesus. That would be the time when you would confess that, right? God, I, I want this more than you. I want that more than you. God, forgive me of this. Use this time as a time of examination and, and confession of, of anything in your life that, that you need to confess because that's what this is about. It's about remembering the sacrifice. And as we remember it, it should draw us closer and cause us to want to honor him in all we do. So I'm going to pray. Our band will come and, and our, 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 our ushers will pass out. You take and you hold and I'll come back out and we'll do it together, okay? Father, we love you. And God, today, I pray that you would begin to do a work in our hearts and our souls that would reorient the craving of our life so that we crave you above everything else. God, I, I pray that, Lord, this week you would begin preparation in our hearts. I pray that next week we would come and, Lord, that our, our minds would be attuned to you. And, and God, I, I just I pray that, Lord, our hearts would be in tune. And, Lord, I just pray that you would do something within us that would be so radical and so amazing that we would never be the same. I pray for revival to break out within the hearts and souls of your people. God, I, I pray that we would crave your heart and we would be sensitive to your leading and we would be committed to obedience to your word. God, and I pray that, Lord, your spirit would ignite within our soul something that would set a fire that would burn bright for your glory. God, we love you and we declare that we want to love you more.
we want you, but God, sometimes there are things that we want more and we want to confess those things. God, help us to give you everything and want you above all things. In Jesus' name, amen.